Kenneth Law charged with 14 more counts of second-degree murder. Edmonton police break into a woman's home and kill her. Three children die east of Toronto in two separate incidences, both being investigated as homicides. A board member steps down from Nutrition North in protest over the Canadian government's support for Israel. The entire Indigenous Advisory Council of CN Rail resigns and ships passing through the Strait of Bab el-Mandeb come under fire from Yemen. Good morning. It's Tuesday, December 12th. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. First, to an update on the case of Kenneth Law. He was the man who's been charged with aiding and abetting suicides by sending toxic substances to people through the mail, who then use the substances to take their own lives. Law is now facing 14 new second-degree murder charges. CTV News' John Woodward reports that the charges, quote, appear to describe new allegations in the same deaths where Law had already been charged with aiding and abetting suicide, unquote. Law sent out a lot of these kits, about 1,200 to 40 different countries. At least one family member of someone who had died as a result of a package from Law confirmed to CTV News that they had been told about the new charges by police. Law has maintained his innocence, arguing that he bears no responsibility for what people did with the packages he mailed out. In Britain, 88 people died after obtaining a package from Law. 272 people had ordered products from him. CTV has tracked more than 100 deaths related to Law's packages. Law was mailing out sodium nitrate, a substance used in curing of meats, but that is fatal if ingested. Law was a chef at the Royal York Hotel, and before that, an engineer. Next, a family in Edmonton is condemning the actions of the Edmonton police. Edmonton cops came to the house of a woman to do a so-called welfare check. When they knocked several times on her door, no one responded. And so naturally, the police broke into her place just to see if there was anything wrong. In a press release, they said that they broke in due to the, quote, imminent risk of self-harm, unquote, and they decided what she needed at that moment was to see cops busting into her apartment. In an article for CTV News written by Brittany Eklund, what actually happened isn't explained. We understand that cops went from breaking into her apartment to killing her, and some details are explained by her parents. But what's known for sure is this. They entered the apartment, they tased her, and then they shot her. That killed her. Her parents zeroed in on the aggressive nature of the entry. Had the police used an approach that had, quote, been gradual and of a gentle nature, and had she fully understood the nature of the visit, I don't think the things would have escalated, unquote, said a statement released by her parents. Police claimed that something Eckeland calls, quote, an imitation firearm, unquote, was found at the scene. Her parents then said that there was an air gun present, which they said is immaterial, as it wouldn't have been a problem had they approached their daughter without lethal force. The Edmonton police have murdered two people this week. Two. 
Edmonton Police Chief Dale McPhee said this while wearing a Santa hat on screen. Quote, we get a lot of people who go out to the media thinking that they're experts in guessing and they have no idea what happened because I haven't even seen all the details. In fairness to everybody involved, that's not appropriate to comment on any of that at this time. Unquote. Mm, I think that's probably only to the fairness of the cops who are now being investigated. Let's be honest. This whole situation sounds a lot like what happened to Chantal Moore, who also had police break into her apartment during a so-called wellness check in 2020 and who also died as a result. Next to a horrifying story from Toronto by Isaac Callan and Sean O'Shea related to a child's death. A three-year-old had been assaulted in the bathroom of the Toronto Children's Aid Society. That building is downtown. Then, later that day in the east end of the city, the boy was pronounced dead after police had been called. 22-year-old Chardonnay Cousins Emily had been charged. She's not reportedly related to the child. That's all the details that we have at this point. There's no comment being made at all by the Toronto Children's Aid Society, what the nature of the assault was, why this individual was able to leave with the child, or what happened in the time that they left Children's Aid and ended up in the east end of the city. This happened last week, and this past weekend, not too far from where this boy was found, two young brothers, aged four and five, were also found unconscious. They did not survive after being brought to hospital. Their mother was 25 years old, and she seemed to have jumped from the balcony of their apartment unit. She's seriously injured, but expected to survive. CBC is reporting that the nature of their injuries didn't make it obvious what might have happened to them, and their deaths are being treated as homicides. Next to news from APTN's Trevor Wright. Trevor is reporting that Beth Kotirk, an Inuk member of the Nutrition North Advisory Board, has resigned from the board over the government's position on Palestine, leaving six remaining board members. Kotirk explained her resignation in a letter to Northern Affairs Minister Dan Vandal. To APTN, she said this, quote, with everything that's happening in Palestine and the position of the current government, I just got even more discouraged and felt like I say in the letter that reconciliation isn't really taken seriously and it can't be taken seriously when we're supporting a genocide today, unquote. Kotirk has been on the board since 2021. Here are some parts of her letter. Quote, the settler colonial violence that we see in Palestine is intrinsically linked to the settler colonial violence carried out here in Canada against Indigenous peoples. Similar tactics have been used in Canada to displace Indigenous people from the land, force economic dependency, and spread anti-Indigenous propaganda while suppressing Indigenous voices. Canada's reserve and residential school system inspired the architects of apartheid South Africa, which in turn has laid the foundation for the apartheid state of Israel. Until Canada commits to dismantling colonial systems across the globe, its commitment to reconciliation with Indigenous peoples is meaningless. I cannot, with a clear conscience, continue to work with a government that supports the genocide of the Palestinian people while purporting to seek reconciliation for the same genocidal tactics and mindsets being used against Indigenous peoples, unquote. Nutrition North provides food subsidies to help lower the sky-high price of food in Canada's northern communities. They also offer hunting grants. When APTN asked Vandal's office for comment, they thanked Kotirk for her work and said nothing about why she resigned. 
Next, also from APTN, but this time from Danielle Paradis, the entire Indigenous Advisory Council for CN Rail has resigned. That is 12 people, including Roberta Jameson, Marie Sinclair, and Phil Fontaine. Citing a confidentiality agreement that the group signed with CN, Sinclair said he couldn't say too much about internal debates, but that they were asked to join a board to do a report on reconciliation, and there were quote-unquote disagreements about actually implementing the report. Paradis notes that CN Rail runs through more than 200 Indigenous communities. I'm not going to read CN's reaction to this because it's exactly what you'd imagine it would be. The guy responsible for Indigenous relations says the word journey twice in like two lines of text. The largest shareholder of CN Rail is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation at 8.47%. Behind them are TCI Fund Management, Wellington Management, COLLP, RBC Global Asset Management, Fidelity Investments, and others. I'll note that the Caisse de dépôt et placement du Québec has a 1.9% stake, another government pension fund that I can't actually confirm which one it is because CNN Business cuts off the word after global, but it just says government pension plan global, so it could be Canada, and TD Dividend Growth Fund and Scotia Canadian Dividend Fund are also investors. And finally, a tanker was hit by a missile yesterday as it was traveling through the Bab el-Mandeb Strait. That separates East Africa from the Arabian Peninsula off the coast of Yemen. The ship was owned and operated by Norway. The U.S. Central Command says that it was hit while traveling past a Houthi-controlled area of Yemen, reports Al Jazeera. No one was injured on board. The Houthis have threatened to attack any vessel that appears to be either going to or coming from Israel through the strait. The civil war in Yemen has been halted by a ceasefire that has held between the Houthis and a coalition that was fighting for the Saudi-backed exiled Yemeni government, finally ending one of the world's worst recent humanitarian crises until, well, Gaza. Those are your headlines for Tuesday, December 12th. I'm Nora. It's Tuesday. That means it's Sandy and Nora Day. Look, the episode that we've got coming up today is very, very, very good. You do not want to miss it. Don't forget to share our episodes with your friends and family and, hell, strangers. Make sure people know about the good word of Sandy and Nora. You're listening to this podcast at sandynora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed and anywhere you get your podcasts. I hope you have a wonderful Tuesday. And I'll talk to you in a couple of hours, I guess, if you listen to the episode today.